Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Kenny, and we're talking about Return of Condor Heroes, chapters 16 through 20. This is the second half of the second volume of Return of Condor Heroes. We're trying to do five chapters at a time, and today we're covering chapters 16 through 20, and those deal with the end of the big duel with uh, Lee Mochu from uh, the, the last episode we did. And cover a lot of ground, but the bulk of the story here really takes place in an area called Passionless Valley, uh, where Zhao Long Nu is uh, forced to marry this villainous master, and Yang Guo uh, arrives with a with a with a posse of men that include uh, Jin Lun, the uh, the bad guy that he was dealing with in the um, in the earlier chapters, and a a number of mercenaries that the Mongols have hired. And in this portion of the book, Yang Guo is uh, determined to kill Guo Jing because he believes that he is somehow responsible for his father's death. And so that's why he's uh, joined up with these Mongols. Uh, and so there's this all of this stuff that happens at Passionless Valley, which we'll get over, go over. And there and then from there, uh, the 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 action shifts to a city that's under siege is uh, the Mongols are advancing south, and Yang Guo has to decide if he's actually going to uh, kill Guo Jing, who is uh, heroically defending the city from their advances. So I guess we'll start with chapter 16. Does that sound reasonable here? Um, yeah. So in this chapter, we kind of get the end of that battle. Uh, Li Mochu and Feng Mo Feng are, are you know, beginning to fight, and I thought this was a, a really, uh, really cool visual uh, 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 sort of martial arts display where you had uh, Feng Mo Feng, who's got the, uh, he, I think he's fighting with a crutch and he's fighting with a hammer, but they're both bright uh, red from, from the forge. And he ends up, um, you know, there's a couple of interesting things about this one. Number one, he, he, he says in the battle he's never actually fought a person before, so... I mean, I'm presuming that he's had some uh, sparring training and things like that, but he's never been in a life and death match. And uh, he ends up uh, burning Lee Mochu's gown and burning her fly whisk. And so she's sort of left embarrassed as her arms and legs are exposed. And Yangor gives gives her his robe, uh, which is the robe that uh, I think, uh, what's her name? Yang Ching? Um, Chen Ying. Chen Ying. Uh, made for him. And... Uh, and, you know, she ends up fleeing and then uh, the Mongol and then this is sort of when the Mongols uh, begin advancing south and uh, they they go their separate ways from Feng Mo Feng. Um, so I don't know, just dealing with that battle before we get into the rest of it. What would you think of the battle and uh, did you have any thoughts on that? I No, I, I thought it was a very well written battle because, you know, it, they've got... Feng Wefeng, who is a cripple because um, his master uh, Huang Yaoshi crippled all of his disciples after his two leading disciples stole the uh, uh, Nanyin Manual, right? Um, and this was the only disciple who was left with one leg uncrippled. So the, all, all the other disciples had both the legs crippled, and this was the only one who, who was left with one leg. So he, he could still fight. Like he, he still had. So one part of the description says that he uses the golden rooster um, standing stance because he, he only has the one good leg to fight with. 
Yep, yep, and it, and it's like his feet are planted in the ground, right? He's like, it, like it, yeah. it's it's like a very striking. It's like one of those ones I picture, like in the movies, when the guys like sort of like you can you get like the camera pans down and the wind is catching the guy and he's like rising up into the sky. I sort of picture it as one of those kind of stances. Um, I was thinking as well, the Karate Kid, you know, the last <laughs> one when he was doing the kick well, thing. Like, you know, he had one leg. <laughs> it's funny though, but that's one of the great things about reading the books rather than seeing them on the screen is everybody because sometimes you'll just get a name and you'll get like a colorful description, and you could really imagine it a number of different ways. So. I uh, I think that's one of the cool things about about dealing with the books, and I might even be injecting some image from a a series that's in the back of my head here, but yeah. um, but yeah, so I'm sorry, go on. And and yeah, like and and the fact that you know he he hasn't had any combat experience is also like a, a nice little aspect there, and takes a lot of goading from Yang Guo, you know, saying that Yimou Chao slandered his master, um, you know, before he's actually like angry enough to start actually attacking instead of like being on the defensive or whatever, and you know, and, and there's another aspect here of showing that um not all martial arts are created equal you have martial arts that can counter martial arts or weapons that can counter styles and stuff quite well because Levo shows fly whisk is obviously made of like a fibrous material or fabric or whatever they it's probably like horse hair or whatever um and yeah because it's wrapped around something hot it just melts and sizzles away leaving a weaponless which is a um i think that's a, a pretty um cool tidbit from the fight there you know it's just the the and the fact that you know he he um he, he stuck both the, his crutch and the hammer into the forge and had you know what i think the industry calls asbestos hands right because yeah. they can they, they can hold really hot things without you know feeling the pain um and it's been a blacksmith uh you know for ever since he got exiled from the peach blossom island so it it, it it was a nice little thing to show you know what this is what he's been doing all this time now his hands can handle these hot weapons and even though he doesn't really know how to fight to kill um his skill was so sufficient and his choice of uh his method that he that that he's using to combat uh the emotional just perfectly countered hers yeah no and i i think it's interesting too that he spent all that time making that uh the scissors and 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 then it turns out the scissors weren't even necessary because his his uh his you know the 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 heat from his from his crutch and hammer just melted the the hairs from her fly whisk. Um, another aspect of this too that's kind of important is uh, Yango is able to to give her the the robe that uh, that uh, that she gave to him because he still has the uh, the 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 robe that uh, Zhao Longnu made for him underneath, even though it's a little bit tattered at this point, I think. Um, I was just thinking, wasn't he hot? Like he's wearing a, a robe that was obviously designed to, you know, last in in the cold, um, to uh, the, you know, the cold tomb, right? The cold ancient tomb, and then now he's wearing another robe on top that was given to him by Chen Ying, and uh, probably is a little bit hot, I would imagine, especially in the middle of this kind of fighting. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, they never really get into that sort of. Yeah, I mean, these people must really be sweaty after <laughs> and the smell yeah. would be pretty yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh but then the uh the you know we, we get the sense that uh you know the, the mongols are coming and and yango sort of ponders at this point like the mongolian army is vast and i am just one person what use would i be so he's sort of he's sort of abandoning any idea of doing anything about the mongols um and as he's traveling with uh shagu and lu shuang and um uh, again, I don't want to reverse her name again. Uh, Cheng Ying. 
Chen Ying, yeah. right? Uh, uh, Gu still has the um, the five poison palm effect, and so she's kind of delirious, and she mistakes Yang Guo for his father again. And this time, he gets a lot more information out of her uh, by threatening to strangle her and and kind of getting a little bit scary. Uh, and eventually, he works out that it's uh he thinks uh, he worked out yeah he thinks he thinks he's well because it's not totally clear like he he kind of has to do a process of elimination with her and he sort of is like okay she doesn't remember who the attacker is but he kind of figures out who this person calls like okay what does she call your grandpa oh she calls him father okay it must be you know it must be huang rong um and and so he just kind of you know narrows it down and uh and and this is where I think the story gets number one. It gets really interesting. It gets really dark too because Yang Guo is he fully commits to this idea of killing Guo Jing once he once he decides on it. Um, at least it seems he does early on, and he departs uh, from from the two sisters or the the cousins, and he he. No, uh, oh, he he does his usual thing of running off into the sunset and yeah. like lamenting in the other world again <laughs> and uh yeah he rides off on a horse and he ends up bumping into De Urba of all people who's trying to uh i think he's trying to get some fruit out of a tree and he's not really having a lot of success uh but then he finds uh jin loon uh recovering from his injuries and he he could kill him but instead he decides to to heal him and team up with him and tells him that he wants he wants his help killing Guo Jing. And so, uh, from there, uh, Jin Loon takes him to, uh, the, the camp of Kublai. Uh, I don't think he's a Khan yet. Is he, is he a Khan at this point? Um, mm, probably not. But, uh, but he takes him to Kublai's, uh, Kublai's tent and he, and he's, um, you know, a grandson of Genghis Khan and, uh, and he's been, uh, assigned the task of, of, of attacking, what's the city? Zhang Yang? Zhang Yang, yeah. Zhang Yang? Yeah. Um, so he's been assigned the task of attacking this city, which Guo Jing is defending. And, um, and so he's assembled a group of, of, of mercenaries, uh, that are sort of the, you know, this, you know, group of really strange characters. One guy's got a face like a zombie. Another guy's like eight feet tall. Another guy's really short and from India. And another one of the guys is, um, uh, who from, uh, Northwestern China. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, there's this whole sort of event that occurs inside Kublai's tent where they're uh they're fighting over the uh this piece of beef that Jin Lun is sort of using to represent his uh his title as first protector of Mongolia and yeah because I think I, I should mention that the um Kublai was sort of honoring Jin Lun as a oh because none of these people had met before and like he introduces Jin Lun as the first protector of Mongolia and the strongest warrior type thing bigging him up yeah. and the other people were just like no, he he doesn't look that great. I I I'm I'm probably a better fighter than him. And there's a lot of, like also like little discussions about like the origin of martial arts from like in oh, Indian martial arts uh um yeah slowly filtered into Tibet and 
Jin Lun is a uh, Tibetan monk, so you know, obviously his his kung fu can't exceed the original, the the predecessors, right? <laughs> and one of the things I love about this, it almost reminds me. I don't know if you've ever, seen, you probably have seen it, but the 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 original Black Adder series where they assemble the yeah. team of of like the the most villainous people in the land, and they just end up kind of bickering and fighting, and and then yeah. they end up betraying them. This group yeah. always reminds me of those guys because they're just so they're, they're they're I mean they're all very distinct and and um and 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 i don't know just they all have egos you know so they're all and 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 it just constantly seems to lead to bickering and and uh working at cross purposes uh but anyways yeah so that so in this situation he sort of holds up the slab of beef and everybody's trying to take it from him and they can't and then uh and then uh zhu batong shows up um and uh and it's kind of an unexpected, uh, very interesting moment where they hear somebody calling for Brother Jing outside, and Zhu Batong runs into the into the tent and and basically makes a mess of things. Uh, yeah. One of uh, Kublai's it's a bit slapstick, I think. As yeah, well. <laughs> it's really slapstick. I think at one point one of Kublai's advisors or one of his men tries to poison Zhu Batong, and Zhu Batong you know grabs the the wine and drinks it and yang Guo is thinking oh no this you know he's this guy's too innocent he's going to be poisoned to death and uh and then uh zhu Batong sits there and just basically tries to go to the bathroom right like it takes you know he says he has to take a crap and he uh and then he he sort of is you know sitting there trying to go to the bathroom and he can't and he says i haven't drunk enough poison and so he drinks three more cups and it's just it's just on and on like this and then he reveals that he uh he he was searching uh, the Mongolian camp because he knew that Guo Jing liked to hang out with Mongols, and he had received very a, outdated news. Yeah, yeah, it's very old news, <laughs> and yeah, he's he's he, he's missed this gathering of heroes that he was invited to, and uh, and then these people in green show up and throw a net around him and say that he had caused all kind of problems in their master's estate, and they. They, they take him away, and then the the group of men, uh, the group of mercenaries, Jin Lun and Yang Gua, all sort of chase after them. And I think that is, uh, is that still in this chapter, or have we arrived at the end of chapter 6 by that point? Um, no, because or they, they have to follow the, the, the Green Road people first, and then they actually get stay the night um, in, the, in the hut. Oh, where yeah. um yeah where they where they were only served like vegetable or vegetables and water and one of the the, the eight foot tall guy Ma um, Guangzhou I think yeah he he was really angry because he's like oh this is this is no way to treat a guest and where's the meat and the wine and all that stuff and yeah we learned a little bit about the background of the of of these people I don't think it's mentioned explicitly that they are from the Passionless Valley at this point. Yeah, I think it's the next chapter. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, but but they, 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 you know, you get a little bit of like foreshadowing, saying that oh, we're we're not allowed to eat meat and uh, and 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 drink water, and we only ever drink water because yeah, that, that's 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 our that's our way type yep. of thing. Yep. No, yeah. that's uh, and um, and and then in the in the next chapter, which is chapter seventeen, the secluded passionless valley. That's when we get sort of the full introduction of the place, and Yangua. It seems like he's kind of wandering around the valley, and uh, you know he sees cranes, uh, 
you know, herd of uh, white deer, rabbits, all this grass and wonderful flowers. But he discovers that the flowers have this special property that if you prick yourself on their thorns, that you get poisoned. And if you think about love within the next 24 hours, you feel excruciating pain. And uh, he also finds out that the fruit of the flowers uh, has unusual properties as well, that they, uh, that, they, uh, that they can taste sweet, sour, they can taste stinky or hot or, you know, all kinds of things. And you never know until you eat them. So all, all the things here are sort of like a um, sort of metaphor for love. And, uh, and, um, and you look like, you, did you want to say something? I... Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the petals are, the, the, the flower itself is an allegory for love there. And it's just like how, well, no, cause I think what happened was that he eats a petal well, at, the, at the urging of, um, I, I think she's introduced herself, uh, Gong Soon Lua, um, who introduces herself as, as the, the daughter of, um, of the, the master of um, the Passionless Valley, like tells him to eat the eat a petal from the flower. And at first he thought it was really sweet, but then the petal's flavor changed to bitterness, yeah. leaving a bitter <laughs> aftertaste. Right, so it's just like oh, it, it, it's supposed to be a representation of how you know love starts off all uh, sweet and then um, undoubtedly something tragic happens or whatever, uh, love fades away and you're just left with bitterness. <laughs> Yeah, and the girl is um, is uh, Lua, the uh, the daughter of the the master of Passionless Valley. We don't know that yet, but that's that's who she is. And uh, I think she I think she introduces herself fairly shortly afterwards because um, she starts fancying Yangguo uh, at this point. Yeah, they have a whole conversation. He kind of, but she's a little bit playful about it. Like she only gives her surname first, and then she gives her personal name, and uh, and then I think Yangguo. Uh, is a little bit troubled by the fact that he's flirting with her. He's starting to think of Zhao Longnu, and yeah. he's. But then he starts feeling some passions for this girl, and he experiences pain. And he and he and he says that she's the cause of the the pain that he's feeling, and she kind of runs away. But she clearly is developing a fondness for him. And uh, this is another moment, by the way, where where um, where we get one of those things where the very specifically describes the 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 level of beauty of the character. So. You know, he sort of mentions that she's slightly inferior in beauty to Cheng Yin and Lu Wu Shuang, and then describes her as elegant, graceful, and wholesome. So it's a, it's it's a, just... a weird description of beauty. You're a wholesome beauty. So that's yeah, probably a what a seven. <laughs> well, I think what he so here's what I think he meant by wholesome. I think he meant that she just seems kind of generally nice and and kind. And not, yeah. uh, and again, she comes from this place where they don't eat meat or drink wine, so um, she's probably fairly, you know, lives a, a good complexion, no, yeah. no acne type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so that so uh, so then they end up uh, eventually being introduced to this um, uh, uh, to this master finally. Um, and they're also introduced to his uh, his senior disciple Fan Yi Wang, who's this short guy with a really really long beard, and yeah. and um, and something really weird happens. There's a whole series of things that happen. They find out number one that this is like a this valley is secluded, and that they've they've uh, this guy's ancestors have lived here since the Tang Dynasty when they were court officials, and uh, uh, the the zombie face guy, uh, what's his name, Zhao Zhang Ji. I think. Yeah, Shao Shanxi. Yeah. Okay, Shao Shanxi. He uh 
he starts kind of prodding the valley master and when 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 the valley master mentions his ancestors he uh he he asks if they if they ever heard of uh concubine yang and then he accuses them of uh drinking the the water that concubine yang washed her feet in and she's like a very you know famous person from history who is part you know uh partly responsible for uh you know the the um uh you know the Anlushan rebellion through her uh i think her cousin uh yang gushang so it you know it's a very big insult on uh on on numerous levels and uh and it soon becomes clear that uh that this isn't uh zhao Zhangxi. this is uh zhu batong disguised as zhao Zhangxi, and he starts fighting with uh um fan yi wang and there's a, there's I, I, if you want to jump in certainly jump in because i don't want to yeah because i'll say like one an important thing here is that um yang Guo discovers that um zabo tong actually stole um his human skin mask or whatever it was called um uh, the, the really, a really ugly mask that Cheng Ying had uh, given to Yang Guo to use um, as well as his scissors which um, Final Fan had, for, had forged at the beginning of the uh, of chapter 16 or so I think um, so yeah it's important because we discover at the same uh, somewhere down the line that the double tongue had actually planted something on Yang Guo as well at this point I think yeah. which he doesn't discover um, and it's also it, it sort of it shows that you know the, what the level of mastery that Zhao Patong is at here. So he 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 can like effortlessly steal um, the mask and and the scissors from Yang Guo without him realizing. Well, and not just that, but all this stuff is is planned from you know for uh, uh, he, he he you know it seems like he's just being a ridiculous person but the everything he's doing actually is part of a plan that he seems to have and is making some some amount of sense um but we get this great battle between him and fan yi wang uh you know and he's i think he's wielding the scissors and uh and fan yi wang is is where is wielding the staff and he's trying to cut a 10 foot long staff wasn't there as well it's it's 220 pounds it's like a bunch of guys have to carry it into the chamber to bring it to him and fan yi wang is really really short so it's even more spectacular um and so 11 foot long steel dragon head staff (laughs) and uh and so, uh, yeah. And so then, so then, when it's revealed that it's Chubatong, uh, all of the all of the Jay Valley people try to to capture him in a net again, and uh, and there's this whole there's this whole uh, exchange between Chubatong and the Jay Valley Master, where Chubatong, you know, uh, is where the master basically says, "Give me all the stuff that you stole. You know, I'll let you go. It's my wedding day. I don't want any disruptions." And Chubatong says, "That's crap," and he just takes off all his clothes. And he, you know, he says, "I'm as pure as the day I was born," and uh, and and uh, and 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 then they 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 end up trying to capture him, but they just end up grabbing um, uh, Ma Guanju and one of the other guys in the net, and um, and it's and again, it's this, this series of sort of slapstick things. But but what we find out is that the reason why Zhu Batong is so upset at the the Valley Master is that he's this old guy and he's marrying this young beautiful woman. Who we discover is Zhao Longnu, and Yang Gor sees her uh, arrive and sit down next to uh, into uh, well, his his name is Gong Soon Shi, the master of Passionless Valley. Um, 
I don't know at what point this is discovered, but she sits down next to him and she ignores Yangor and pretends like she doesn't know him. Um, and this leads to a great deal of distress on Yangor's part. And, uh, and eventually things sort out and, and she acknowledges Yangor and, uh, but only at the sort of the sort of cost of death, right? Like she basically, young, um, you know, Gongsunzi sort of calls out people and they have like these nets with weapons on them and stuff, right? Um, and and uh, yeah, and and I, and I think like Gongsunzi realizes that um, Shalonu is, or I, I don't remember what what name she was using, but um, Miss Lu, it was, Miss Lau. Yeah, and uh, Liu or something or other, and it was it was paired with Yang Guo's name, and you know, Gongxun was getting jealous that you know uh, that this young handsome guy is coming on his wedding day and uh, flirting with his fiance type thing, and you know, he, he he sort of pulls out the stops to try and um, uh, or well, just sort Yang Guo out and capture him and for and uh, make him leave the valley yeah and and this is the point this actually gets us into the next chapter which is chapter 18 valley master gong soon and this is where because of the name that uh that she chose that that basically you know pairs with um yang gordon i think mean willow tree or something he takes a willow branch yeah. and starts fighting with uh fan yi wang who's been ordered to kill him uh and uses the coil theory of dog beating stick i think which is sort of I, I guess the idea is he's f fighting this guy that's got this giant staff so he is trying to use the staff's power against itself um, I think it's a sort of a Tai Chi thing of like adding just a bit of force to completely divert the attack out of the way rather than meeting it head on and clashing I think you're right I, yeah. I think you're right because they, they mentioned the, the principle of using uh, four tails to move a thousand jin or whatever uh, which is a common common phrase in Wuxia novels and Shanxia novels, isn't it? It's the, the concept of using a light force to move a heavy one. And they use another phrase too, using current to move boat. Um, yeah. Is, yeah. But the same, same thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that happens, but ultimately what it leads to is um, uh, Yang Guo and Zhao Lan Nu both end up fighting the, the, the master and they have to go into this special sword room that he has and select some blades. And number one, the, the, the sword room is trapped. So, you know, the, 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 the Valley Master uh, is, 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 is a pretty... Right off the bat, he's, he's pretty despicable. And, and, he's, and he, he, he doesn't even really care if Zhao Longnu is alive when he marries her. He just wants to marry her out of, almost out of spite at this point. He's he's uh, yeah. so jealous because I think he already knows for, for knows that like even if he marry even if she marries him, but if he killed Yang Guo, then she won't truly belong to him anyway. And uh, it, it, it was it was getting all hung up about how yeah, no matter what, she's not going to be mine anyway. So I may as well just get rid of them together type of thing. And so they go to this sword room, and and a couple of things happen here. Number one, they find these two black swords. One of them is called Gentleman. One of them is called Lady. And they find them because there's a painting that was burned by Zhu Batong. 
So again, like Jubatong has had all this foresight to uh, to do all these things that need to be done in order for them to to sort of. Make I, 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 I don't think that was intentional. I think he was just making trouble, and it just coincidentally revealed I, where these I don't know. precious swords were hidden. But like everything else he did, led leads to something. So I feel like that too might have been an act of. I mean, this would require him knowing that um, Miss Liu uh, was Shaolong Liu and that Yang Guo, <laughs> because this is all before, because so even back when when uh, Yang Guo was in the Mongolian camp drinking and they were fighting over the beef and stuff, Zobotong barges it and then promptly after is captured by the, um, the Passionless Valley disciples. So... I, I wouldn't say that it was all panned out. It was just all just worked out. Okay. And as a result well, of Jubbleton's actions, because otherwise you can't really explain why he ran, you know, he caused trouble at the Passionless Valley, stole the items, stole, you know, burnt all the paintings well, in order to lure Yang Guo there and cause trouble. I, I will point out, he everything he does leads to the, the reunion of Yang Guo and Zhao Long Nu. You know, it's, it all sort of works out in the end, so... I don't know, um, but it's interesting. It's interesting. So, uh, but either way, how, how whether intentional or not, he burns this painting, and there's these swords there which they take. But the other thing that happens is Zhao Long Nu pricks her finger on on uh, on one of these passion flower thorns uh, that's in a vase in the sword room, and so so now when they go to fight the the valley master, you know their whole their their sword play is predicated on 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 their their feelings of passion for each other and so it creates all kinds of problems during during the battle for them yeah um, because the, the the principle behind the jade maiden sword play and the transcendent sword play so is supposed to cover for each other at you know you're, you're supposed to forego defense for yourself in favor of sort of covering for your lovers uh, deficiencies and if the both parties do it at the same time then that's uh when when it's supposed to be the most powerful and uh yeah the, the only way to get to that stage is to be you know, young and in love which uh, uh obviously works against them in this case because of the the poison from the uh passion flower exactly and and a couple of things that happen uh here also are um the the valley master we learn has he, he has a special technique where his pressure points are blocked off so they can't really do any they can't like attack his pressure points and uh and he uses these really cool weapons he's got a uh one golden blade uh, was one golden saber and a black flexible blade and yeah it's uh you know it's he, he cuts a pretty cool image he's got the way he's described too is pretty he's a pretty striking character um but uh but eventually what ends up happening is Yango is captured and he throws him into a patch of, uh, or, or he might just throw a bunch of thorns on him. I can't remember if he gets thrown in a patch. He throws him into a patch of um, passion flowers, hmm. and uh, and then yeah, and he and then he um, uses that to threaten Shalundu into marrying him, saying, "I have the antidote for the flowers." Like if it was just a, a, a standard prick, then he'll be fine. But if uh, it, because he's taking on so much. Um, of this poison, he will die. The fact that giving the antidote. If you marry me, I will give him the antidote and kicking out from the valley, and you're know, trying, trying to blackmail her, basically. And uh, and then Jialong Nu jumps in on top of him and gets gets uh, hit with the thorns as well, and and the master just decides to go ahead with the wedding. And <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a one track mind. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna marry a young, he's... beautiful woman, and nothing's gonna stop me. What? 
By the way, I'm hearing I'm hearing a little bit of something in the background there, but if you can't do anything about it, don't worry. Um, but uh, um, but the the thing that that I love about this guy is he goes from being sort of kind of like a reasonable seeming like like it seems like he can be reasoned with and that you know he rescued Zhao Longnu when she was injured and healed her and maybe he's not such a bad guy to just just being coming so over the top villainous he's like he's acting like dracula by the end of the by the end of these chapters um and uh and so uh what ends up happening is lua comes in and rescues yangua and she helps him escape and then she goes to um to to her father's medicine room and and tries to tries to get him the the pill to cure to cure the poison and she doesn't come back so yangor goes there and she he sees her about to be punished by her father and the father senses yangor so he acts like he's going to execute her and then as yangor runs in to protect her the father and this is where he really starts getting villainous throws his daughter at yangor and opens a trap door and they fall into this pit below the uh below the room and it's like you know it's like a pit a watery pit filled with crocodiles and uh and and then that's what leads us to the next chapter but i don't know if, uh, there's a lot happened here so i don't know if you had any thoughts on 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 some of these details yeah i mean i i think just i the, the whole rescuing um shadow new part from washington yeah i think it was a selfish maneuver from him anyway he probably saw how beautiful she was and it's like you know i rescue her and like maybe she'll be grateful and then marry me um and yeah, we, we don't really have much for, um, on the motivation of Gonshinzi here, but just because he's, we, we, all we know that is he wants to marry her, and no real reason why. Like it's not like he's inviting all the martial heroes of the world and like showing off that you know even in his old age he can marry a a, a young beauty type thing. And he's he was gonna have a quiet ceremony. It was only yeah. because um, the Mongolian warriors and uh, Yang Guo barged in that he's having guests right so I, I don't know what his end game here is uh, at this point we, we can't really tell basically I'd say no I would agree and I think I think it's I think when we learn more about his backstory I think it sheds light on why he wants to marry this this young woman and it's you know related to you know something that happened to him um, but uh, but so here we have sort of the the whole you know underground adventure with uh with Lua and, and, and Yango. And I think, you know, they, they make an interesting pair in, in this chapter. Um, they get attacked by crocodiles and Yango kicks them and ends up killing one. And then he finds out that he's got all this stuff in his pockets, which you had mentioned. He's got like a pill that's square shaped. He's got a dagger. He's got sheepskin. That's got a map of the manor on it. And he's got some spirit fungus. Uh, and, and so they eat the spirit fungus and then they start following the map to try to figure out a way to get out. And they end up... Coincidentally, also, the dagger has, like, a pearl on it or something, which lights up, right? Is that, then they were using that to sort of look at the map. I think so, yeah. I think, I think it was, I think you're right about that. And, uh, yeah, every, and and again, like, all these things that Zubatong had done sort of fell into place very neatly for them. And, and they, uh, and they, uh... They, they stumble into a chamber where they hear this laughter and and uh, and and it turns out to be the voice of uh, of Lua's mother, who we find out was thrown into this pit by the master of Passionless Valley 
after he had cut her tendons and left her for dead, basically. Um, yeah, basically crippled her and chopped her in there. And she only survived because some date seeds had apparently fallen in and like sprouted into trees. And she basically spent like I don't know, like did we give were we given a time frame of how long she was down there? Um, she um, was there since Luo was um, six. Six. So, um, I mean, or maybe ten years is probably a good amount. Like she spent basically ten years down in the dark and with a, with a bare minimum of like a, a like some very small spots of sunshine coming through, which landing on these date trees that basically is all she's subsisting on. And and up to this point, Lua thought her mom died. She 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 was told that her mother had died when she was young, and anytime she asked her father about it, he got angry. And so she's excited to be reunited with her mother, but she's this. This really nice girl who's got the most awful parents in the world. Um, and, and just one thing that I thought was kind of interesting here is that, you know, you have this, uh, it's, it's almost, you know, you have this, this horrible, horrible father who has this, this, this nice daughter. And Lua is kind of similar to what Yangua might be if his father had lived. Do you know what I mean? Like she's, you know, uh, uh, you know, good person, you know, born from a bad person. And uh, and I, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I thought it's an interesting parallel. Um, yeah, that is an interesting parallel. I didn't I didn't realize that, but um, I but then again, like the mother in this case isn't also isn't a very yeah, nice I, person either way. But I, I think. Um, but she thought know, her mother supposed... died when she was young, and Yang's yeah, mother died when he was young. So that's yeah. But but yeah, that it does throw out. a wrench in the theory because th- she is one of the most despicable people you'll ever encounter. This <laughs> um, I mean, what's funny is how like they the mother and father just keep getting more and more despicable as the chapters go on. Um, <laughs> it's 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 almost amazing. Um, but but we learn a lot here. Number one, we learn that. Um, uh, that the mother is the one who taught uh, Gong Soon Shi uh, a lot of his martial arts, and that she helped improve his swordplay, and that she is the sister of the Iron Palm Clan chief. So she's the sister of Qian Ren, uh, Iron Palm Skimming on Water, who's you know from the he, he's a character in this book uh, as well, but he's a very important character in in the original book, and and uh, and so you know she, she's sort of tied into to this much broader martial world, uh, she had, uh, uh, she had, she met, uh, Gong Soon and she, she married him, but he ended up having an affair with, uh, one of his maids. I think her name was Rua. Is that correct? Yeah. Rua. And, uh, yeah. Cause she had, cause basically, so the mother's name is, um, Chan Chi and she had, uh, she had fled from Iron Palm Peak when her brothers were having a fight over one of them impersonating the other. And she married Gong Soon, and Gong Soon had an affair with this maid, and she overhears them planning to flee, and so she she throws the maid in a flower patch, much like what happened to Yangua, and and then she does the same thing to Gong Soon, and when he rushes to go get the the pills to cure the poison, he finds hundreds of pills soaked in arsenic. And she tells him there's only one pill left. And she puts it down and she says, you have to decide, you know, are you going to live or is she going to live? And so he tells, or, you know, we'll meet, in the, you know, like we'll both die today and meet in the next life. He, he kills Ru'er and then he basically says, okay, I'll do what you want. And he turns out, and it's funny because she's floored by this. She wasn't expecting him to do this at all. And, uh, 
and he he starts playing nice, but then he poisons her wine and, and throws her in the pit. <laughs> throws her in the pit. Also, she tells him that there's another pill. There were actually two pills. That was sort of she 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 was just sort of you know uh, creating the impression of one pill before uh, uh, you know to to sort of cause some misery, but and force him to choose. But uh, but yeah, and then he throws her in the pit and. And, uh, I think uh, uh, was is it revealed here that it's not just one pill that she had as well. I think she had two pills. Right? Yeah, she says she and had that two pills. Opportunity, um, doesn't actually have any. No, Jones uh, had had one pill. Uh, found one pill, and she, he didn't find the other one when he chucked her in to the pit as well. So um, the pill that Yangor currently has, the square pill that Tumbleton um, parted them, is is one of the pills, mm-hmm. and the other one is still on. Um, uh, Chen Chi's. Yes, yeah, and that's important yeah. down the road because there's only two pills left, and he's only got a certain amount of days before he dies. Um, yeah, and also like uh, this is also part of the scheme of Gong uh, Xunzi here. So Gong Xunzi was promising Chang knew that um, he would cure Yang Guo's poison, uh, but he himself doesn't even have a pill to cure Chang Nu. So. What is he trying to do? He's got a wife that's going to die in 36 well, days or whatever. Well, maybe he's just really optimistic that he's going to get that pill back from Zhu Batong. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, he definitely, at the moment, he does not have a pill to give. Um, <laughs> he's making so, all these promises <laughs> for no reason. But again, he's made clear he doesn't care if she's alive or dead. He's ready. He's willing to kill her and then marry her. He, he really doesn't care. Um, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a brutal, brutal guy. Um, but, uh, but, but anyways, they find out that the uh, that the mother has been uh, developed this amazing kung fu, where because her tendons are cut, she's mastered spitting these um, date stones out of her mouth, and and so, but otherwise she's fairly useless. She can't really do a whole lot uh, except for spit these seeds, and so she isn't able to get out of the pit. But Yangoa finds out there's like a thousand foot uh, tunnel leading up, and it's got a rough wall, and so he climbs up. He uses the dagger to cut a bunch of bark off the date trees and make a rope and throw it down. And uh, he starts bringing them up. Uh, I don't think it was a thousand feet. That's a bit ridiculous. It was, it was really high. I forget how. Yeah, many it was feet. high. I think like even a hundred feet up is pretty high. Like a thousand feet is. Like... I think it was like I think I thought they said seven hundred something feet at one point, but I could be wrong. <sighs> we'll, we'll look it up. We'll look it up after. I, I, I could be totally wrong. Um, <laughs> And I, in my notes, I wrote a thousand feet, but I, there could have been any number of reasons. That sounds I said too that. ridiculous, though. Like a thousand feet is basically a, a, a very like. That's really high. That's really high. Yeah, a uh, <laughs> hundred feet makes more sense. Like hundred feet is still pretty high for a human to try and yeah jump that's, out of. <laughs> that's true, but I, we'll look it up. I, I, I'm not sure what the exact numbers are, uh, but but he gets the mother up. But then as he's taking Lua up. Uh, he gets attacked by uh, Fan Yin Wang again, and and there's and and he starts dropping her. Uh, she and him eventually tumble in, and then the mom saves them by threatening one of uh, Fan Yu Wang's uh, acupoints. And and it's important to note, and the only reason she could threaten him is because she basically taught Gong Xin Zi all his kung fu, yeah. and knows exactly where all the weak points of the, of of their um, of their style is. Yeah, because he he men- she mentions that I'm gonna like destroy your spirit stage acupoint or something and that's like and that like resonates with him he's like oh she definitely knows what you know what what's going to affect me here um and so you know they uh you know they they they, they, they escape uh she instructs uh yangua to to kill fan yi wang and so he says okay you guys go ahead i'll take care of him and he just paralyzes him 
and then whispers in his ear that he doesn't have any grudges against him. And, uh, and so this also shows, I think, highlights a little bit about Yang as well that he isn't a, a person who kills without reason. Like he is a, a merciful person, as it were. Like he, yeah, you know, Fan Yiwing has and Fan Yiwing has done nothing but try to kill him basically since <laughs> since they've met, and he's still like, well, that's fine. <laughs> and I think that's important because we are dealing with Yang during his like dark period where he, you know, he could be. At his most evil, potentially, and he's still... Yeah, go down his father's route, as as it were. And and so they decide to crash this wedding, of course. And she comes up with this plan of pretending to be... uh, She being the mother, uh, Chan Shi. She decides to pretend to be her brother, uh, Chan Ren. And so she goes there and she basically, you know, uses her exceptional... I don't know, lung kung fu to, uh, to, to sort of bellow and, and say, you know, uh, you know, you know, what about the wedding of old? And, and, uh, and, and, and then there's some question among the guests, whether she's actually Chan Ren or not. And, uh, and she, and I should say she uses the mask that Yango had to, uh, to disguise herself. Um, this mask is coming in really handy during this. And that's yeah. apparently taking the appearance of anyone like <laughs> anybody you well, want. Well, I think it's just, it just looks gross and ugly. So I think as long as they don't recognize that it's her was all she was yeah. concerned. But I don't know. It was, yeah, it is pretty... I'm thinking maybe it's like a weird sort of plasticine model type thing where you can like shape it with enough, like if you use your chi and then you can sort of form <laughs> the, the face you want to see. <laughs> maybe. It's definitely getting a lot of mileage. I think we could definitely say that. <laughs> um, but uh, but but anyways, the you know, a lot of stuff happens. But the the master of, of uh, I keep wanting to say Jay Valley, Passionless Valley, uh, yeah. says uh, he basically says, "Look, I have a letter from your brother," <laughs> um, and so he doesn't say from your brother, but he says, "I have a letter from from Qian Ren." And, and he reads the letter, and it, the letter says, Ever since first brother died at the hands of Guo Jing on Iron Palm Peak. And then it goes on to say that uh, Qian Ren desires to, uh, to atone for his sins. Because he did a lot of bad stuff. And, he, and then it's signed Monk Qian, I think is his name. And uh, so he's adopted a new name, uh, you know, like a religious name. And, and so this does a couple of things. Number one... Uh, it throws her off because she finds out that one of her brothers is dead and she didn't realize that. Uh, and number two, it plants this, she knows who killed her brother and who to go to get revenge against, which will become important in the next chapter. Um, but there's a whole thing and, and this kind of get, this gets us into the next chapter basically, uh, which is chapter 20 heroes imperative where the, the husband and wife start fighting each other and, and, uh, and he, I think he slams her against a pillar and she bangs her head and Zhao Longnu treats the wound and then uh, Yangor begins fighting with, with uh, Master Gongsun. Um, and I believe there is, uh, is... Are there any more reveals during this 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 fight or is it... Is everything sort of oh, come to light? Oh, a very important one is... So... Um... Yang Guo basically manages to hold off uh, um, for a long while. That thanks to the help of uh, Chen Qi sort of calling out moves and like, expl- like explaining theories um, as, as they're fighting. Um, at some point, they're like, "Oh, everyone should take a break first. <laughs> um, this is like 
yeah, then, um, I, I, yeah, I think that's sort of the next part is where, uh, um, she secretly, like, takes some of the blood that, you know, from, from the wound caused from her being slammed in the pillar and, like, dips it into the tea and serves it to both Yang Guo and uh, Gong Xun Di. This um, is, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I was gonna say, this is one of those classic scenes. This is, like, a, a really great moment in the story where, where uh, you're kind of like, what what's going on with that? Why is she putting blood in the tea? And and then, uh, but go on, go on. Yeah, and, and, and basically, you know, Zhong Shizhi is rightly very suspicious of like, oh, this tea, is it poison? Yang Guo, drink it first. And then, you know, he's making sure that it's all poured from the same pot and all that sort of thing. And, you know, he, and, and they drinks it. And then, yeah, this is when it's revealed that the reason why the disciples of Passionless Valley can't... Um, eat meat is because that will totally invalidate the kung fu that protects their acupoints and i don't know if you ever watched um scott pilgrim i have not seen scott pilgrim because uh, I... there is one scene where one of the so so the rough plot is that scott pilgrim has to face offense the ex-boyfriends of his current love interest and one of them is like a, a level as a level seven vegan or whatever <laughs> and and he has these superpowers um yeah, he can like shoot beams, and it's like he's basically immune to damage. He's super strong, and um, and, and this is only because he's a vegan. And the main and one of them, and the main character basically tricks him to drinking some milk, which uh, is very reminiscent of this scene. I was thinking there, and he starts losing all these superpowers because no, I've had milk. I'm no longer a vegan. <laughs> That's well, that 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 does sound like what happens here. Maybe they read Return of Condor Heroes, but. Uh... <laughs> A lot of people will find Return of Condor heroes in Western media and make and wonder this, um, but uh, I, I think uh, and then and then what happens is he's sort of his kung, this massive you know massively important kung fu of his is completely gone and and she pretty much gloats and says I've always told you like you know that it's too easy to nullify this kung fu there's no point in learning it and uh, and 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 then he and then she blinds him with a not bl- she doesn't blind him completely she. But I think she gouges out one of his eyes with a with one of those date seeds, and yeah. and he ends up running away. And then and then so so just as the master of Passionless Valley is is removed, this horrible awful woman sort of settles in and takes over, and it's like ten times worse than it was before. Um, and so and so she just right away is like, okay, well it's a wedding, you know, uh, Lua and Yango, you two need to get married, and. And and so there's a whole thing where she's trying to force them to marry. Oh, and we need to mention that at the very at sort of the beginning of this um, sort of scene where where they make it to the wedding hall, um, the first thing Yangor does is feed the antidote, mm. the one antidote pill that he has um, for the for the um, for the poison to Shaolong Lu without telling her what it was. Oh, that's right. Yep, and that that is yeah. important. And then and then um, and a couple of other things that might be worth mentioning too is that. The, there is a lot of stuff going on with Jin Loon and some of the other guys where Jin Loon is kind of constantly egging on the Passionless Valley Master because he thinks that if he can get the three of them to fight, it'll, they'll all destroy each other. And he also wants some opportunities to see Jade Maiden swordplay again so he can look for weaknesses. And he's being just kind of like a real jerk to Yangor the whole time, but doing it very sort of surreptitiously. And uh, uh, Mang Guangzhu, the eight foot tall guy, is one of the few who's like really standing up for Yangor the entire time. And he really wins you over by the end of these chapters. You really start to like him. Um, He's basically like the sort of straightforward, honest guy who (laughs) says what's on his heart. And, you know, if he likes you, he likes you. If he hates you, he hates you type of. uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
And so, and so then what ends up happening, though, is, is Lua eventually convinces her mother, partly because she's blocking the path of the date stone, um, to, to not kill Yangua, and instead she decides to use him to help her get revenge against the Gua couple. So she, she, uh, she gives Yangua half of the pill and says he'll get the other half when he kills uh, Gua Jing and Huang Rong. And the funny thing, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for for whatever reason, half of the pill actually speeds up the incubation period of the poison, so it halves it down to sixteen days instead of like thirty six days. Every once in a while, you wonder how much of this uh, he's making up as he goes along. Yeah, and it's one of the beautiful things about this genre, though, is the ability to be to sort of add in or take away these kind of details and and do clever little things like this, so that uh, you know. Suddenly there's like a new problem that they have to deal with. But yeah, so now he's only got 18 days to live instead of 36. And, you know, and, and so he, he and Zhao Long Nu and his, his posse of mercenaries and Jin Lun depart. And, uh, and as they leave the valley, they just get into all kinds of conflict with each other. There's like a big fight between a bunch of them and, uh, you know, they all start fighting Jin Lun and, and, and then uh, Kublai Khan shows up and, and 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 lays out a rug and and starts talking with them and uh, did you want to say something it sounded like you were uh so yeah, they just casually strolling up oh everyone have some wine you know stop fighting <laughs> yeah it, it is well it's funny in these books people just kind of sort of bump into each other very coincidentally i mean he was looking for them because they did just kind of flee from his camp to chase after jubatong so in a way he's kind of reminding you of this thing that just happened before they went to 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 Passionless Valley, but uh, but it, but they do just kind of happen to bump into him, and and uh and at this point uh he explains that he's you know attacking uh uh Yang and that he needs to get rid of Goa Jing and Yang Guo is like well what a coincidence you know I I I I I too am am, am going to kill Goa Jing so I'll do it I just uh. I just want you to promise me that you won't uh, uh, you won't name me like the top fighter of Mongolia or something. I forget the exact title, but there's. I a... think he tries to like pass it on to the the, the um, either Jin, uh, to Jin Long and the other three, sort of like uh, they they can. Yeah, he didn't want credit for it because or he, the only reason he's killing Guo Jing is not because he wants to assist the Mongols, it's because he wants to take revenge for his father's death, basically. Well, and also he realized that Jin Lun and the rest of them are gonna just like be after him if he gets that title so he doesn't want to he doesn't want to you know the, these guys are like the the least functional adventuring group because uh, they're just their egos just keep tripping over each other um so but then we get to we get to uh, uh zhang yong and there's this great scene where they see guo jing fighting the mongols at the walls of the of the city and and you know he's dressed in gray and his men are dressed in blue and black and and he's just you know he's just he's uh he's just kicking butt and and he ends up uh he ends up meeting an old friend um who he uh he took as a prisoner in the battle and he he he's you know he's merciful and sends him back he says you can go and then when the guy returns to Kublai's camp Kublai just executes him and uh a good reason like he he was like so, so the prisoner um knew watching from his mongol days yeah. as the um the golden blade consort yeah when he was slated to marry genghis khan's daughter or whatever right yeah, yeah. Um, and he does compensate the family he does compensate them for his bravery so um you know he's kind of he's kind of taken with one hand and given with the other but 
Yeah, like it's, you can't ruin your army's morale because one of them, the, one of the prisoners, will be just like praising the enemy to no end. Then yeah, it, it, it makes sense from a military point of view. And and morale is low, and and he does end up retreating forty Lee because you know he needs to regroup and and so Guo Jing goes in, and number one he just he discovers that Huang Rong is giving birth like at this moment, and he. Uh, you know, he, he sleeps in the same room that night. And I think Zhao Longnu is with him, right? The both of them go to the, go to Zhang Yang and they're let in. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, uh, Yang Guo is given quarters with, uh, with Guo Jing and they're going to sleep in the same bed and he's going to kill him while he sleeps. And he keeps having doubts. And he, and during this time, he's asking Guo Jing about his father and his father's like, look, like, you know, it's very complicated. It's hard to, and, and we have to remember Guo Jing is not the smartest guy in the world. So he's just not good at sort of, you know, he, he's not good at being evasive. And so I think it's just deepening Yang Guo's suspicions. Um, like, yeah, rather than him acting sketchy or suspicious or whatever, it's just him not really knowing how to get the words across without like being too casting. Your father was an evil bastard. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was trying to think of what the best way to tell him was. It's like, okay, you know what? Let's just save it for after the battle. Well, I'll tell you later. And Yang Guo, sort of, for whatever reason, like despite the fact that he should know Guo Jing quite well, like he seems to think that Guo Jing is more uh, shrewd than he is. And oh, you think yeah. You- he thinks he's yeah, because he's like oh that villainous schemer Guajing, because he's really uh, he's he's giving he's him a lot of credit. On it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, he, it's funny because you know Yang, Yang Guo is supposed to be um, you know he, he hates all these customs and and ingrained mindsets that everybody seems to have about him and his master. But on 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 another level, like he himself also has all those sorts of like preconceptions that he can't get rid of like once he sort of thinks about you know, the fact that Guo Jing could be his father's killer he one track minds himself like, or er, all the evidence that he can you know if there's 99 things saying that he wasn't but the one thing that's saying that he was he latches onto that one thing and tries to, uh, and and uses everything he can to justify why that one thing is true well, <laughs> I think part of it too is there's still a degree of self-pity in Yang at this point and he attributes a lot of the stuff that's happened to him to the Guo couple and and so I think it's an easy thing for him to imagine is true. It sort of explains his experience on Peach Blossom Island. It, you know, he, instead of having to contend with his father's evil deeds and, you know, wondering if maybe, you know, he has demons of his own, he he can sort of push everything on to Guo Jing and Huang Rong. Um, he, he is 16, so it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, point, it's not, but... it's not a totally, I mean, anybody who's met somebody that age, it's, it's, it's not an, un, it's not an, uh, you know, it's easy to forget because he's such a powerful martial hero at this point, but, but he is still quite young. Um, and, uh, though granted it's, you know, Song Dynasty China where people probably came of age much earlier. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that really changes when hormones start acting up. And uh, yeah, it's not really one of those like, oh, I hate you, Dad. Run up to your bedroom, slam the door type things. But it's it's about as but, good as you can. But you get, have to I'd wonder say. when the Mongols are like ravaging the countryside, can you really pull a "I hate you, Dad" and run up to the? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, oh, that's another important detail. On the way to the city, Yangor sees all the evidence of the Mongols advancing through, and you know, like at one point earlier in the story, he saw a group of Mongol horses and one of them had a baby on the end of a long spear oh, that, that, was, that was like when he was running away from Nemo yeah. Cho with Liu Wuxiang yeah, yeah, uh, yeah he sees a, a baby sort of struggling to live at the end of a Mongol spear and so he's he's getting these constant you know uh, 
sort of uh, bits of evidence that he, he maybe should be doing something about about the Mongol invasion. Um, uh, but he's sort of, you know, I, again, I think this is part of Yangor thinking more about Yangor and not thinking about the world. And I think a lot of the novel is sort of the balance between his de- desire to sort of be unorthodox and marry his Shifu and, 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 and devote himself to the love of his life, but also to be a hero and 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 uses kung fu purposefully um and so you know this is this is a crucial moment in the story where he's about to really decide uh you know which way he's going to go and and by the end of the chapter even though he has a lot of doubts his resolve is strengthened after he has one of these conversations with Jing, and it looks like he's gonna he's gonna do the deed but you know we can talk about that when we get to the 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 next the next five chapters um but but yeah, so I, did I leave anything out there? Was that was that was that all of it, or was that? I think we went through quite a bit. I mean, there's there's a lot of detail in, in every chapter, so we can't go through everything. Otherwise, it'd just be dictating it. We may as well just start like Reading uh, <laughs> yeah, an audio book of. <laughs> and also, I should say, I'm not 100 percent sure which edition we are reading because we're just reading an online fan translation. And there, there was a revision, I think, in the 70s and a revision in the early 2000s. And so it's possible some of the details might not match uh, other versions that are out there if people are reading it themselves. Um, like we said before, we're reading the version translated by Noodles. Um, I think one thing we actually glossed over was um, when Yang Guo first meets uh, Jin Lun and while Jin Lun is wounded, um, he, Yang Guo spends a bit of time contemplating about um, his martial arts and his love life as well, I guess, at that point. Uh, and it is a bit um, upset himself, I think, for, for you know, spreading his affection you know, among all these other ladies who aren't, aren't well, like, who he isn't in love with. He, he will yeah I think number one he realizes that both in martial arts and in love he's been he's been uh what would be the word he's he's been spreading himself around a lot do you know what I mean he's been he, he he's he's dabbled in a lot of different styles but never really focused on one and I get in traditional martial arts the idea is you focus on a particular style and he uh he is he he hasn't cheated on Zhao Longnu, but he's definitely spent a lot of time with a number of different women, and he's been flirting with them heavily. And so all of whom aren't much less attractive than Zhao Longnu. Yeah, yeah, because we because he's very specific about that. So. And he calls Liu Wuxiang little wifey as well. Like that's his nickname for her. Yeah, yeah, she calls him stupid egg, right? And he calls her yeah. wifey. And, uh, wifey. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's, it's I think it's meant as a bit of a joke, but but it still is like you know if if a you know, I, I don't think she's treating it as the joke he's treating it as. Um, and, and pretty much every woman he's meeting is falling in love with him. Um, and so... You That's know, just typical Wuxia protagonist syndrome, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, I mean, everybody except Lee Mochu. Lee Mochu is, uh, is not in love. But even she said he was handsome. So, I mean, yeah. he's, you know... Yeah, there's well, definitely... She's, she's got issues of her own, so I wouldn't count her in the... <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a very common thing. And again, unless you're in a Gulong novel where everybody might hate you, um, uh, you know, it's uh, you know the, the, the protagonists do tend to be uh, they tend to have a lot of a lot of troubles with women that many aspiring novelists would probably love to have. Um, so you you do wonder how much that projection on yeah that. <laughs> i mean i don't know i don't i don't know his his, his story but it uh, but i mean you see it in, in in heaven sword dragon saber too like that's the the whole 
thing in that story is he's kind of deciding who does he want to be with and he he, he you know he has a number of women to choose from and he you know he sort of but the thing is like it, it's weird because so in this period it's still perfectly normal for um as a man to have wives and concubines so i, I don't know it, 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 it's it's nice that the main characters are trying to sort of focus on one person to be the top, the full recipient of their love, as it were. But it's at the same time, it sort of doesn't make sense from a period point of view. In that, well, in that case, why can't you just marry them all as as wives and shall do as number one, and then oh, I know, whoever as number two or three? I mean, good luck with that, I suppose. If it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I know that it's not necessarily feasible, but it's it's a solution that never seems to come to mind to any of these any of the, any of the protagonists well, suffering in, from. In, uh... in Legend of the Condor Heroes, one of the characters is a consort. She's not the wife of the um of the Jin Prince. She's his consort. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean stuff like that I think does I, I think but but I think a lot of the stuff is there's obviously anachronistic stuff that gets you know it, the way that I sort of view the way the, the wuxia genre tends to be handled in these books is it's a little bit like the way we deal with like the middle ages in our old tiny mm. movies you know it's it's a backdrop but you you know they, they, they freely sort of add in whatever they need if there's you know uh, uh, to, to fill I mean he, he does make a lot of really good use of history a lot i mean a lot of this stuff is drawn very directly from history but the thing that makes it so fun is it's not it's not sterile and dull because of that there's still sort of like modern enough modern sensibilities to make everything kind of click for the reader you say that but then there's duke of mount deer and well, and <laughs> is that, he's got seven wives i think the main character has at the end of the story but but again, in, in this story is sort of like a love story. So I think if, yeah. I, think if I think if you if you if if Zhao Long Nu was just a, a concubine or or the first wife, uh, it wouldn't know, be as uh, much of an impactful story. It's, yeah. it's like if Romeo and Juliet, you know, had Romeo could marry as many, many women as he could, or as he wanted, or whatever, or had you know other concubines, it wouldn't it would lessen the impact of the love, I'd say. Um, but uh, but, yeah. but I don't know. But I do think there is something to the idea of sort of there's this combination of of straight history and playful modern sensibility mixing together, and and that's kind of what makes it fun. Um, not necessarily. I mean, you know, we, could, we could have a, we probably have a long conversation about the you know uh, about about the concubine thing. But I think in general, I kind of get that feel from books like this that it's uh, uh it's just it it's not it's not it, the history isn't an oppressive and i don't mean it like in the sense of you know oh you're oppressing me oppressive i mean it's not oppressive in that it's not it's not this overwhelming thing in the story that 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 shoves out all of the interesting and fun bits of the story um, yeah and so everybody so even like characters like kubla khan and genghis khan who are you know stately historical figures uh they feel real, you know. They're drawn uh, into a tent of double tongue, trying to crap on the floor, basically. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, it's, 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 it makes it everybody feels kind of believable. Um, yeah. And so I don't know, uh, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts so far? We're, we're midway, midway through, so we only got, um, we only have two books left, and. Uh, and I think if this was sort of published volume by volume, you know, or end the volume two, this is like a massive cliffhanger to be ending the volume on because at that point, at this point, you know, Yang was just like 
steal his resolve to stab or to murder Wajing in his sleep. Um, and and you're not really quite sure what's about to happen. You know, it will he, won't he? And um, I, I think it's shaping up quite well. It's sort of like a sort of mystery, and the tension is quite high at the moment. And we, we're all sort of, we're still like in the process of discovery of trying to find out what actually happened because we we know Gorging's character, um, even if you haven't read the previous book. Like enough has been said about his honesty and integrity in Return of Condor Heroes already that. That we know that there's more to the story than meets the eye, and Yang Guo only has a testimony of um, uh, of Shabu, who's not yeah, whose wits are a bit addled anyway. Yeah. Um, so it, 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 yeah, no, it, it, it's um, it's I think we've sort of reached the peak of uh, the tension uh, for the the, the revenge of the, the father's revenge plot uh, line at the moment. Yeah, and I I think it's a uh, um. Yeah, this and this is. I think this is a great run of chapters. Like every chapter, uh, through I think this volume, you kind of want to jump right to the next one and find out what's going to happen. Um, and and even even if you know the story, that's the cool thing about this. You just keep. It just kind of you you. It's it's it 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 really. I think this is maybe one of the reasons why it is made into so many TV shows. It it it, it holds up well on repeat on repeat exposure um and and so it's a i don't know i i i i i think this is a great book for people to, to check out it's easily available online and um again we're we're midway through and we're gonna we're gonna continue on next week with the the next five chapters and then you know uh we'll we'll you know and then hopefully at the end of this we'll have uh you know four what was it four how many a number of hour-long podcasts that give you a breakdown of, uh, of 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 the overall story. It'll probably be what six or seven. We've got four more to go because there's two more books and uh, we're doing five chapters each. Then that's so, yeah. Okay. I think it's forty. I think it's forty chapters for the whole series. Yeah, it's forty chapters, and I think we did the first ten in one go, and then we broke it into five at a time. Um, and have you started the um, the the TV series review with Adam yet? No, no. Uh, we have one more season of Babylon Five, and then we're gonna do that. I'm ah, so okay. looking forward so, to that. Yes, yeah, so I think by the time we finish the book podcast, it'll probably be just in time for. No, well, we've got we've got another month of um, book discussions to go, and then I I don't know. Maybe 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 a month isn't quite long, uh, enough time to finish um, Babylon. No, we could probably do it in a month. We've been getting pretty good at Babylon because we do at some at one point we were doing five episodes a week. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I think I think we can do it. I think so if it. it coincides, then uh, yeah, if anyone who's listening, you can also start <laughs> listen to their discussion on the TV series. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing, and it's uh, and it's and it's interesting, and that's usually I think what gets people interested in these is the TV series, at least people in the West, because you know it's probably going to be your first exposure to that or a movie, and uh, and so you know the, the, you know we're going to do the 2006 one. And uh, it's got the uh, the actress who's who's uh, hired to play Mulan in the live action Disney movie, uh, so it'll be somewhat relevant to something going on. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's I think that's a good sort of version to do. I was gonna do the the one from the '80s, which is also good, but it's really old, and I didn't want Adam to have to endure a really old television show that had a story he had no experience with. So I decided to go with the newer version. 
But, uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll be back on next week. And again, this is Return of Condor Heroes. We're doing the Noodles translation. And this is something that you can, you can find online fairly easily. And uh, we look forward to being back on and continuing the discussion. 